Thank you for joining us for Effective Heart Change, the podcast that will discuss how to apply faith principles to real-life situations. This is Effective Heart Change. Welcome, Dale, to Effective Heart Change. I think my change is hearty, or my you, heart is changing. You think your heart is changing? <laughs> yeah, well, it's, uh, it's, it's an experience, you know. It, uh, I, I'm always blessed, uh, both in the meetings with all the, all the folks and, and then coming here and kind of uh, digging in a little deeper. T- today's is called a good eye, and I think I will. A good eye is a part of receiving. If receiving is the answer, I've got to see the world from a good point of view, from a right point of view. Perspective matters. Perspective matters. If I'm seeing the world from a wrong perspective, then I'm going to be messed up no matter how much good is around me. And believe me, there's enough bad out there. There's enough negative influences that the last thing you need is to add to that with a wrong perspective. There's a tennis court right behind our house, and I see all kinds of abilities out there. Uh, There's some old guys my age that are playing, and they're still pretty decent for being my age and playing. Uh, There's a young man that's out there daily, and and he always comes alone. I've not seen him play any competitive. But he practices his serves and volleying, and he has awful form. And so he's, what he's doing is learning these habits that if he ever really desires to play uh, competitively with anyone, he's going to have to break all these habits that he's ingraining. And his, his serve motion is just awful. So that's kind of what you're describing. you got to do... Not only do you need to practice, but you need to practice the right things. And that, that does help. It does help. And, and I, 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 periodically, I think I ought to go out there and say, hey, but I'm, uh, I'm not that way the, anymore. The, the old PE teacher yeah, or gym teacher yeah. or whatever, you know, that coming out of your major is like, uh, let, <laughs> let me help you out a little yes. bit here. So. Luke 11.34, and there's a similar verse in Matthew 6 and and different places, but Luke 11.34 says, The lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, when your eye is good, your whole body is also full of light. When your eye is bad, your body also is full of darkness. That's talking about a filter. That's talking about a lens. How I see life is going to have so much to do with how I respond to life. Now, that's a problem because of what I believe. I believe you tend to see from the inside of your spiritual flows. You tend to see from the inside of your life experience. So if I've had bitterness triggered or if I've grown up in an environment that's just unhealthy, there's a whole lot of stuff going back and forth, all kinds of different directions. Then I'm, once I've lived that, I tend to have that as a filter to my life. I see everything from inside of that point of view, inside of that perspective, that lens. How can I ever receive good stuff if I have those kind of filters going on? And it's not 
surprising that that's the way it happens. I, uh, I I'm often uh, encounter someone that uh, they they talk about their mom or their dad, and oh, I'll never do that. But in the end, they start doing exactly the same things because that's what they know. I won't name the company, but there's a company that has commercials built on that. We can't save you from becoming your parents. You know, I mean, because that's it's just common. You know, you hit age 40 or whatever age it is. And all of a sudden you start waking up and realizing, oh, I'm just like my mom. I'm or you spend all your time denying that you're just like even yeah. to evidence to the contrary. So those are natural drifts that just happen. And they happen, I believe, because of this lens, this filter that we put on. And if we can't see that filter, if we don't recognize what's going on, then it's almost impossible to change where we're going. So how do we change? Well, how you change is you see that. And part of seeing that, I believe that Again, one of the first things I teach people is you're blind to yourself. So when I get someone into the program and we're first working with them, at the first signs of trust, especially where they're beginning to hear, their ears safe. are go safe, they're beginning to hear, their ears are beginning to be open, I take them to Proverbs 16.2 and 21.2 and, and uh, 14.12 and 16.25 and you know a lot of different verses in Proverbs that really talk to the, to the idea that we see from an egoistic viewpoint, and so we are blind to ourselves. That starting point is huge. If you can get people to accept that intellectually, now we at least have a starting point. And then the next part of that is I am not necessarily who I intend to be. I am not equal to my motivations. I'm not equal to what I intend to give out, but I am, in, I am who I do give out. So if my behaviors over a period of time, it defines me better than who I think I am because who I think I am is so completely colored by my ego. So what I'm hearing you say is we need a good eye, and to develop a good eye, I have to be looking uh, like if I'm planning a trip, a wise thing to do is get a roadmap out and figure it out where I want to go and how, how I think would be the best way of going. And, and that sounds like part of this process because I may not know the, the area I'm going to, and it, so it would be wise to, to learn about it. But the way I'm going to get that is looking outside of myself, my knowledge, and into some source of someone else's knowledge. One of the titles that I was going to use uh, before I titled it A Good Eye was the idea of objective mm -hmm. or objectivity and uh, you know, getting those other perspectives. And the only way that I know that you can get good perspective is collective. And again, as a culture, we are so into rugged individualism, so into you can't know me, you don't understand what's going on inside of me, that we push all of this away, and so then we live inside of this little tiny world that was created for us and in us, and we're not able to get a hold of any objectivity, we're not able to get a hold of perspective. That's a real bondage that shuts down our ability to receive.
Let's take a look at where we've been, check it out with these questions, and then we'll continue. Well, the roadmap. Actually, let me pick up with a sentence out of the written version of this, which uh, you pointed out to me. The spiritual eye responds to a stimulus, and that response creates a pathway. We're spiritual beings. We respond from the inside of that. So I've got my perspective. I've got my focus. And think about this, it's not necessarily that you say something bad to me, but if I think you've said something bad to me, because I'm living inside of my little world, my filter, my eye. It's your interpretation. Yeah, that becomes my new reality. And so once I think that's what you've said to me, and then on top of that, I respond according to what I think you've said to me, then when I act on it, what really makes things solid within our world, what flows through you sticks to you. When I add to those thoughts words, when I add to those words actions, when I add to those actions repeated actions, that kind of comes out of James chapter 1, when it talks about the pathway to death, it, it starts inside of you, and then it, it starts building up. When I add to all of that the words and the actions and I create a pathway, in the end, that pathway can become death, or let's turn it the other way. Let's say I'm receiving something positive. I begin to meditate on it. I begin to speak about it. I begin to act on it, and that becomes the pathway to life. Pioneer times, that was called breaking trail, and, and it's a process of going somewhere you've not been before. And, and you, you may have limited knowledge or no knowledge at all of what, what uh, your destination is for sure, but even what the trail's like. And so you have to venture out. That's the venture is part of adventure. You have to venture out and, and see what you find. And, and it's, a, it's a gathering process. It's an, it's an evaluation process all a, all those things are involved, but if you don't go, on, go out and find a new trail, you're not going to find new things to incorporate or eliminate from your life. Back to good eye, you have the starting point. You have some kind of a stimulus. You have something going on. But here's what I see happens way too much of the time. In this spiritual area, on the trail example that you gave, you start out on a trail. You're hitting reality. Now, I don't know. I can't imagine. I think about this sometimes when I'm kind of out there in the wilderness or whatever, and I'm thinking about these people who created that trail across the path. It's like, did they have a compass? I mean, what did they do? What did they follow? How did they get there? But their trail gave them a sense of reality. It gave them a sense of experience. And every day they're having real experience. Now, what's interesting and a little bit different here, think about how much more dependent your experience is on your perspective. You're on the trail, you're in a wagon, you're in a covered wagon. I mean, there's either grass or mud or 
or animals or, I mean, you're dealing with a physical reality. They had to deal with that. In heart change, we're dealing with a spiritual reality, and we're creating much of the reality along the way. And the spiritual reality is not something that we're practiced in or familiar with for the most part. Uh, the, the most trails uh, were originally animal trails. So uh, the, the, uh, the consistency was in how the, the, the animals moved around in the, in the woods. Uh, so that was, the, that was the blueprint, so to speak. But there were choices that were made for, for convenience and other things, but that's just an aside. On those trails, they had a destination, go west, young man, or, you know, I'm, I'm headed here, I'm headed there. There was at least some kind of a goal out there. And unfortunately, I think a lot of times the goal that we have spiritually is kind of somewhere between survival, it's feeling good about self, it's a lot of different directions. And if we're going to develop a receiving lifestyle, we need a goal. We need a blueprint out there. We need a destination. We need a destination. We need a place that we're going to head towards. And that destination, I believe, is laid out in Scripture, and, and the best definition of that word is love. When you look at the biblical definition, but then it also, it's peace. It's also rest. It's also joy. It's also self-control. I mean, you start putting all of those things together— and the best definition for us in life would be adulthood. We've talked about that, where I, I move from childhood to adulthood, where I'm able to give life away to others. And then not just adulthood, but the kind of adulthood that has integrity, that has consistency, that's able to be a life giver to the people around me. If my starting point is wherever it is, and it was interesting. I was in a group this morning, and we were talking about some of the things that had happened at very young age. And one man talked about, well, he was born premature, and he was in an incubator. And it was interesting that that particular person then really struggles with relationship. So here you have a person who didn't get the normal touch, the normal connection during the very early months of life, who just feels like a fish out of water anytime he's in relationship with people. And so then you have all of these different structures that are happening. A roadmap for that particular person, which we laid out this morning then, is, oh, wow, you've got to move from this place of feeling like a fish out of water and very uncomfortable in relationship situations to where you can now do relationship, have quality connections. That's a perfect example of a spiritual picture of a roadmap where I'm looking at a destination that's kind of a spiritual destination, I've got a direction to go here. And we wouldn't normally think of something like that as being a factor in, in what people decide. Uh, I've got uh, a grandson that uh, is, was born prematurely, and I have a nephew that was born prematurely. Both of them uh, struggle. Uh, it'll be interesting to see where the grandson goes. But just that struggle to survive uh, is, plays into it, I'm sure. But uh, there's so many factors that it's just amazing. Things like that that happen early are incredibly foundational. 
and then they move you into a place where life is a struggle. That's my normal experience. So I wake up the next day expecting life to be a struggle. And then all of a sudden that becomes my eye and everything I hear, everything I see, everything I experience happens through that filter. Now think about it. How often has, have you woken up and it was a bad day, wrong side of the bed, everything was there. If you put on top of, I'm waking up in a bad place, you put a filter of life is difficult, ugly. Now I've doubled down on this thing. The chances that I'm going to come out of that bad day aren't very good. And it's interesting. We have a lot of morning meetings with the program. And so you've got addicts, alcoholics who frequently wake up on the wrong side of the bed, so to speak. A lot of their old stuff was triggered in the nighttime or, or somewhere along the line. They show up at class expecting it to be a bad day because of the old filters, because of the perspective. And then they come to class. We're sharing. We're connecting. And they're drinking in life that they're receiving over and over again. So many of them talk about it just completely changes the trajectory of their day because they drank in life. They moved to a different spiritual location. They were able to see the day from a different point of view. They were able to experience the day from a different point of view. Completely changes everything spiritually. So reality is what's real to you in the moment. And, and it can be changed. But that's a difficult thing to do, and uh, you need help to do it. it uh, it's not something you do solo. It, it can be changed because we have an eye. Mm -hmm. We have a, a spiritual— good eye. Well, <laughs> if you have a good eye, you're going the right direction. But you can also have a bad eye. Exactly. So if you can recognize, and you can do this, if you start recognizing, oh, I'm in my bad eye, I need to change that. How do I change it? What are the steps that I take to change it? Or I'm in a good eye today. You know what? I want to stay there. I want to live in that place today. That's an interesting choice because uh, uh, the good eye, the bad eye, uh, you, can, you can visualize that. Uh, if, you, if you see it and say it in your mind, uh, you go, oh, and, and there's a realization, the aha moment that that I'm looking through a bad eye, and I need to change that. Uh, it's like when we come in here and you put on a different pair of glasses. Mm -hmm. And, and, I, so and you, I do that. So, so you can see the, the page. But anyway, it, it, I, I like that because it, it really it puts us on a personal basis, and it's something that you can think about, oh, okay, recognize and change. Until we have a good eye. We can't change for the better. Let's talk about where we've been, and then we'll continue. That's interesting because uh, you talk about free will and if you have a free, I wrote down, if you have a free will, it follows that there's a free won't. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and there's the bad eye, good eye thing. I think they're both, has, has some value. That jumps us right into, uh, again, another line that I have written down in my written part is, a key part of free will is the ability that we have to think about our thoughts. 
That's kind of where we ended in the last segment when I was talking about the good eye and the bad eye, and you can start noticing the difference between, oh, here's what my good eye looks like, here's what my bad eye looks like. Once you recognize that you have a good eye or a bad eye, then you can begin to take steps to move yourself out of it. Now, here's what's interesting. Most of the time, you can't think your way out of that. Most of the time, you have to act your way out of that. We, we would like to think that, okay, I'm going to work on my thoughts. I'm really going to bear down really hard. It's going to be a good day. It's going to be a good day. Oh, wait a minute. What am I doing right there? I'm literally speaking to myself, even if it's internal. But one of the things that I've learned when I'm working with people, say it out loud, right. even if it's a whisper. I have a, I have a strong belief in that, that once you say it out loud, you own it. I can think anything, and, and uh, it really is, doesn't have ownership. It, it has effect, but it doesn't have ownership. But once I speak it, uh, it's mine, and, and you can't take it back. So that goes back to what I was saying. We can think about our thoughts, but much of the time we can't change where we're headed, especially if we have a bad eye going on. We can't change where we're headed without something a little more tangible, i.e. words coming out of our mouth or actions or, better yet, let's get back to the whole theme of receiving. I get around certain people. I expose myself to people. Maybe I even make a phone call or, or maybe I go to a meeting or turn on the TV and I listen to a video series. I, I actively take an action to bring something into my life. Someone. Someone into my life. Connectivity is huge. What I expose myself, every once in a while we have people who are what I call people persons and especially your more mercy type people. When I'm talking with mercy people, I say, if you're going to stay sober, if you're going to get better, when you choose who you connect to, you are choosing your future. Now, there are the rebels who are like, I ain't doing nothing, you know, unless I want to do it. Those people are more able to make choices on their own. But people who are more mercy people, when they choose the people they are around, they're choosing their future. Same thing here. What I expose myself to, wherever I take my feet, wherever I take my body, whatever I allow to go through my mouth, or better yet, what I force to go through my mouth, begins to choose a path for me. I'd like to be able to say, well, we're able to think about our thoughts. And because you're able to think about your thoughts, you just learn to choose noble thoughts. Well, that's good. And if you work at that and you lay it out and you, you, know, you go back and you've got it written down and you pick it up and look at it, there's some power in that because what? I've written it down. I've thought about it. I've laid it out. But uh, much of the time, my ability to think about thoughts and change thoughts isn't very good. The example I always use is smoking. I'm not going to smoke. I'm not going to smoke. Guess what you end up doing? You smoke. I mean, smokers will tell you that over and over again. So when I'm trying to change my thoughts, a lot of times the best way to change my thoughts is not to try to change my thoughts. It's change my location, change who I'm connected to, change what I'm listening to, literally almost move completely away from that. By moving completely away from that, a lot of times I have 
better success changing my bad eye than if I go directly at the bad eye. And you mentioned the, the speaking and, and the importance of it, especially in company, because then you've actually made a commitment to what you've said. Now, you, you may back up on it somewhere along the line thinking that wasn't really what I want to do, but there's value in, in committing to it with someone else because it's out there, and, and you'll, you'll be getting feedback from the other person, which is the value that, that's an exchange, and, and you'll also have the time to look at it instead of being a thought you actually have the opportunity to see it in action uh, back and forth. And, and that is a great place to be. One of the worst bad eyes that's everywhere right now is victim mentality. And victim mentality is embodied by the words self-pity. And so we get into this zone of self-pity, victim mentality. It, it's, that is an awful, ugly bad eye. It's, it's really hard to come out of. And in my writings, one of the things that I say is you can't talk your way out. You can't think your way out. You can only walk your way out. So when I'm dealing with someone who's struggling with that kind of thing, I talk about get into a servant lifestyle and obey, serve, walk your way out of this because we are so egocentric that we tend to think inside of where we are. I've got this person who's struggling with a victim mentality. Generally, it is hard to get them to do this. But if you can get them involved in serving other people, maybe it's even just listening, listening to people's stories, asking questions, connecting, and then coming alongside and setting my face to build that other person up and, and to walk that thing through. A person who's in victim mentality immediately will say, what, are you, what do you want? You want me to get walked on more? You want me to get tromped on more? But when there's real connection, it just turns that picture around. So often, we're not willing to do what we need to do to change our thinking. The solution is over here in the doing. We want the thinking to be well, I can think about my thoughts. I can evaluate myself correctly. I can fix this problem. Well, good luck with that. Yeah, good luck with that. He's exactly right. Uh, going nowhere fast and uh, uh, virtually guaranteeing no success at, at breaking out. Speaking of breaking out, I think we'll go ahead and break, take a, take a few moments to look at where we've been, and then we will continue. The title of the overall series is If Receiving is the Answer. And you would think a good eye, which is what we're talking about here. Well, I just changed my perspective. Get glasses. Yeah, get glasses. <laughs> but it's not that easy. A good eye is received just as much as anything and everything else is received. We talked about in the last segment that we have the ability to think about our thoughts. And so then we get all egotistical about, 
I'm going to think really hard and I'm going to think really deep. Well, that's nice, but you think inside of wherever you are. You see from inside. So if I start out as a child and I'm, I go through a level of abuse as a child, there's an unsafe, there's a not belonging, there's a I can't trust people that is set in. And every time I come towards people, I've got that in my framework. I'm giving out distrust, which means that I'm receiving back a kind of a hands-up distancing from that other person because they feel my distrust. And so, you know what, I'll just kind of leave that situation alone. And my life experience keeps confirming my bad eye. Now, that's where I love the born-again language from, from John chapter 3 except I like it as born from above. Anathan, the Greek word there, can be translated again, but it also can be above, unless God breaks in. I don't have a prayer. Unless somebody from the outside that is full of love and life breaks in, to some extent, my ability to move from a bad eye to good eye doesn't exist. We desperately need godly people around us. So you're given, literally, you're given the ability to see vision, but vision uh, is something to be practiced. It's also something that's to be developed, and, and, that's, uh, and perspective is part of what you're developing. So it goes beyond the physical, uh, way beyond that, but, but that's a good way of thinking of it because what we see depends on what we submit to, what we take in, uh, what we're interested in, and other factors. But it's something that's developed. It isn't all there at once. And so it's a process of, of development. In an earlier segment, we talked about launching out across country on the covered wagon and you're headed for a destination. That's where I'd bring you back to here. You've got to develop some kind of a picture that's a good picture of a destination. And I'm not talking about going to Africa. I'm not talking about climbing a mountain here. I'm talking about a character destination. Because when I have a goal like that, and my goal is maturity, and if you go back to the spiritual stages of development that we talked about in the last series, what happens is I'm developing from childhood to adulthood. I grow through those selfish stages. I get to the point to where I'm productive, not in the sense of productive of, you know, building a, you know, being a coal miner, down mining coal, but I'm productive in the sense of I'm a life giver. I'm handing out good stuff. Now, life givers will have good outcomes. There's a tangible way to judge it. So we as individuals should be able to look at the lives of others and go, wait a minute, I'm seeing some good outcomes. There must be something spiritually that's good. Or you look at your own life and you see both the good, but you also see bad areas where over here in this communication piece, I'm, I'm kind of messed up. Don't know what I'm doing wrong. I don't know what to do about it, but I know I've got some bad outcomes here. So I need to expose myself to somebody who has good outcomes in that area and hopefully try to learn from them. I hear in this uh, uh, a lot of we need to do this, I need to do this, and, and the reality of it is that you uh, hopefully get to the point sooner than later that 
the recognition is that I can't do it on my own and that I need God's guidance, uh, his direction, his vision, and, and that's what I, I need. And so probably the, one of the best things I could be doing is praying that he reveals that to me and that I be receptive to it. My life was changed, especially during the college years and shortly thereafter. I had a series of mentors, and one of them, interestingly, one of them came knocking at my door. That was kind of the first one and said, hey, I hear you might be interested. Would you like to come to a Bible study? <laughs> so that was a starting point. Yeah. I'm not sure how all of those connections were made. But another time, I'm just walking across campus, and there was one of these chance happenings, sat down, started talking with a person, and that person just happened to have real expertise and, and some incredible godly input in the very area, just like you described, where I had been saying, God, what about this? And when that thing was answered, there was an exchange of phone numbers, and then there was contact over a period of time, God broke into my world. And I love the scripture, Jeremiah 29, where he talks about, if you search for me with your whole heart, I will be found by you. During that period of time, I was seeking God. I was crying out to God, but I couldn't get there. I didn't have the roadmap. I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know what to do. But as I was seeking God, God had people break into my world, and they were the very people I needed to break into my world in order to wake me up and shake me out of some unhealthy zones. And evidently, they were people that were going through the same process, maybe a little ahead of you, maybe a little behind you. Definitely that's, ahead of me. Well, and, and, but the, that's the interesting thing I've discovered in my life is that, that uh, there are stages that you get to in your life that the, the, the master of divinity is not the, the person that you really need to be in touch with. You need to be touch, in touch with someone that is near the place that you are, a little ahead, a little behind. If he's a little behind, then you may speak into his life, something that changes him, and vice versa. When, when they're a little ahead, you can, you can relate, but he'll, he'll probably give you something that, oh, wow, I didn't see that. So it's, it's an interesting process, and all things are possible within the uh, ordination of God. You know, the fourth grader, can teach the third grader very well. In, in our family, the, the youngest was a highly competitive child, and he got the advantage of, I mean, he wanted to do everything his older brother was doing. And at times that was an issue, and we had our, had our problems because of that. But it also caused him to excel at a level, especially in athletics, because he was out there trying to compete with Big Brother and his friends. And it pushed him to a level that was just above and beyond what he probably would have been without that influence. I'm that same youngest child. And, and you, you were pushed, <laughs> and you were an overachiever in a sense. I, I mean, you really pressed out and, and went to some great places because of those outside influences that reached into your life. Probably need to thank my brothers and sisters for that, if I haven't remembered too lately. That is a good thing, and sometimes, especially when it's brothers and sisters, we don't feel that. We actually feel like the little brother at that point that is kind of being kicked off the path, and 
not really welcomed all the time, but yet the influence is still there. And that's actually one more great point. Sometimes it doesn't feel like it's coming in a benevolent fashion. It doesn't come like it's being appreciated or whatever, but it's still God at work to reach into our life and to touch our lives. Well, we're talking this time about having a good eye. That good eye comes when we receive, when we get into a pattern of receiving and the filters come down, we step into a better place. Hopefully, we've opened your eyes to what it looks like to have a good eye, and you can take some really good steps because of some of the things that we've talked about. Pursue God. Open yourself up. Let God find you. If you do, it will be transformational, and you will not regret it. Video production, editing, and audio by Matthew. Set design and setup by Ashley. Content recorded live at Studio 104. Yeah, and, and if you mess up, you mess up. Yeah, you and, just and, keep on going. Yeah, yeah. Whereas here, it's like people seem to think they want things kind of pristine and right in, in the video world. So. We won't name names. We won't, we, we won't say who because Matthew might hear us. We won't say we won't say who notices when your shirt yeah. rustles. When I switch with my shirt, yes. wait a minute. Uh, <laughs> Got it out of uh, the system. Uh, okay, uh, we better get on with yeah, it. We, we really ought to.